Reading now from the 21st chapter of Genesis. Isaac grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that he was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave it to the boy to drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For a story that started so happy, it sure turned dark. Isaac, whose name means laughter, brought joy to his parents. He fulfilled Abraham and Sarah's deep desire to have a child together, the beginning of what God had promised, the fulfillment of your descendants shall be like the stars in the sky. They were filled with joy. Sarah had even commented that God has brought laughter to me and everyone who hears will laugh with me. It all seemed to be coming together until Isaac grew. He grew old enough to be weaned. Old enough to play with his half-brother Ishmael, the son of Hagar, and Abraham, Sarah's husband, Abraham, the son who came about because Sarah told her husband, Abraham, to have a child with her slave, Hagar. If you missed your soap opera this week, it's in chapter 16. Hagar obliged. She had little choice. And Ishmael, God hears was born. Abraham and Sarah thought that Ishmael was the closest thing they'd ever have to a son together. Sarah was old. Abraham was older. 
But then, because nothing will be impossible for God, Isaac was born. And he grows. And others laugh with Sarah. And he's weaned, and others celebrate with Abraham. And he plays, and Sarah's laughter turns to fear. Parents know fear. We know rational fear. We know irrational fear. We know how to rationalize irrational fear. I come by it honestly. When I was in seventh grade, I had made some new friends because I had gone to a new school. These friends invited me to come over to their house to spend the night. I was so excited. They were twins. I had not uh, introduced yet the parents, so we made a plan. My mother made a plan. She said, they can come by after school, bring you to our house. You can pick up your things. I'll meet the other family, and then you can go and spend the night. Well, their grandmother picked us up, and she took us directly to their house, where we immediately began to play, and time passed quickly for me. My mom was home wondering and waiting and eventually worrying. Turns out my friend's last name is not the same as their mother's last name. And so into the night, my mother finally had put all the pieces together to figure out where I was. And that's when I learned that I would not be spending the night at my friend's house that night. I didn't quite understand her panic until I had children of my own. A group of young adults and young families was at a restaurant, a fairly large restaurant. It was a fairly large group one afternoon. It's after church, Anna Gray was around two years old. We were sitting together and the food started to arrive and Sally said to me, have you seen Anna Gray? And I could not find her, so I asked the others around, do you all know where Anna Gray is? They did not. Immediately, several of us went in lots of different directions. I got out into the parking lot, was looking for anything strange to give me any indication of what might be going on, my heart pounding and my mind imagining the worst. Finally, someone came out of the door and said, she's been in the bathroom with Elizabeth the whole time. I could breathe again, but I suddenly understood my mother's panic a little better. Where's the line? If it could happen, we conclude that it might well happen, and then too often we operate out of the fear that it will, in fact, happen. Sarah, who's Joy turned to fear, saw Ishmael playing with Isaac, and wondered what might come of that. Would Ishmael, the older half-brother, one day come to the realization that he was losing out on the inheritance and then accidentally bring harm to little brother Isaac? It's not so far-fetched. Would Isaac, who seemed to be perfect now, one day lose some of that shine and, and his father start to prefer Ishmael and Ishmael get a bigger cut than he was due? That doesn't seem 
outlandish. What if, what if Ishmael was a bad influence? He was half Egyptian, after all. What if he sided with the slaves? There's so many ways that he could pose a problem. Better to remove all the possibilities. Keep everything under control. Parents like control. We like to protect. We like to provide the best opportunities we can for our children, the least harmful influences, the best chances for success. If it means sending your husband's child off into the desert to die with his mother, well, goodness, that doesn't sound right, does it? Surely we wouldn't admit to that. But would we admit that we sometimes determine a future that we have not seen? Can we at least say that like Sarah, our imaginations tend to run wild with what could happen, whether there is any evidence whatsoever that that is what would happen? Isaac was playing with his half-brother Ishmael when Sarah imagined who knows what and sent him off with his mother to die. They were playing together. And she imagined a future that she had not seen. We do this all the time. We play out scenarios that have no real evidence attached to them. And the more we imagine that this is how things could be, the more evidences we find that this is how things will be. Before long, it's no longer a possibility to us. It's an eventuality. And we have to do whatever we can to prevent that from happening. And so we pipe baby Mozart into our child's nursery. Because maybe his mind will be expanded in such a way that he can get that college scholarship that he'll never get without it. And then he turns three and you realize he's not a genius. And so you turn to baby Einstein because perhaps he can at least get into college if he's played with him. That doesn't seem to be working out, but at five you see that he can throw a remote pretty far across the room. So you grab a ball and you start to play. And goodness, Tommy John surgery at 12 is a small price to play for a child who can get a scholarship. You send him out to play and to study and to learn. And he comes home with a new friend, a new friend who just wants to walk in the park. And you realize if you spend your time in the park with him, you'll both be living in the park one day. Get home, turn on the Mozart, read your chemistry, and start your batting practice now. <laughs> oh, parents. We can lose it so quickly. And those of you who aren't parents, will we see you noticing? We've noticed some things about you, too. Sarah didn't have to imagine Ishmael causing trouble for her future to imagine some trouble in her life already. Any chance she thought a thing or two about Hagar and Abraham after she noticed his expression when she mentioned Hagar to Abraham? The night they could spend together. So here's the thing. 
Sarah quite understandably created entire scenarios that may or may not have ever happened. And it changed the world. It certainly changed the world for Hagar and Ishmael. Ishmael, who, thank God, God continued to hear, God provided for, God made a nation of. You may know that the Muslim community traces their heritage back to Ishmael. Talk about changing the world. What if Ishmael and Isaac had been able to play together a little longer? I wonder how things might be today. I said in Friday's words from Will email that Genesis not only shows us some of the problems in humanity, it shows us some possible solutions. Could it be that playing together is one of those possible solutions? Archbishop Elias Shakur thinks so. He spoke here one time at Tom Piatla's invitation. You may have attended that. He, at Tom, incidentally, is on Father Shakur's board of of fundraising here in this country. Archbishop Shakur grew up in Israel at a time when the new Israel was being formed and he watched his village get destroyed as they were creating way for a new country. And then he watched his country divide up increasingly into camps. The Muslims lived there and the Christians lived there and the Jews lived there and there was not a whole lot of connection between them, there was increasing violence, increasing sectarianism, increasing disdain. Father Shakur knew two things. He knew that parents will do most anything for their children, especially to get them educated. And he knew that children could lead us. And so in response to the growing trouble in his country, he created the Mar Elias Educational Institutions where the students were very intentionally from different backgrounds, Muslims and Christians and Jews, all sitting together in class, all learning together, all doing projects together, all playing together. His hope and the result is that that at home those children may hear, you know, those people all, but at school they're able to say, well, maybe those other people all, but... My friend who I did this project with, well, she isn't like that. My friend who I play with, he doesn't seem a bit like that. As a college student, I was traveling in Turkey, met a contemporary from China. We had different cultures, different backgrounds, different religion. We had a common interest in going to see this site in Turkey, so we went on a hike together. As we were hiking, he revealed that he had concern about his younger sister back in China and what she might be up to, and I confess that I had a similar concern about my sister back in the United States, and and suddenly we seemed to have a whole lot more that united us, that, that made us similar, than that divided us. I wonder if Ishmael and and Isaac had been given more time to play together, what the world might be like. What if Aisha and Isabel were given more time to play together? I wonder what the world might 
be like. I think about how things have changed. My parents attended segregated schools. They had to make friends with African Americans later. I attended integrated schools and made friends along the way. My children have an African American cousin and they don't seem to think that's odd at all. My, how things have changed. When you play together, people become people. And whatever you imagine about the possibilities of what could happen, start to give way to the things that actually are happening. There's a church in Raleigh that was preparing for a new pastoral appointment. They'd had a female pastor for some time and she was well thought of. This predominantly white church was getting an African-American pastor, and so they were trying to prepare the congregation for that. And the leaders put up some posters saying, We welcome Reverend, with his photo on it. A mother took her six-year-old daughter over to the poster to say, Now, honey, our pastor will be moving to a new church, and this is going to be our new pastor. The child looked at the picture, studied it a minute, and then she said, Mommy, that can't be our new pastor. Her mother had been bracing herself for that response, and so she decided to, to try to tell her what was happening, why this was good. The child continued, Mommy, that, that can't be our new pastor. He's a man. <laughs> it's amazing what can happen when we play together rather than imagining the worst of what might happen if we just imagine. Let's play together.